0: The following audio is from Life Point Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about Life Point Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Good morning again. Hey, my name is Eric. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at the church. And uh, on behalf of the Life Point family, let me welcome you. Uh, this morning. If you've got a Bible, uh, I would invite you to open those to uh, the book of John chapter 3. A couple of weeks ago, we started in a series called Reborn, and uh, our main text has been in John chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can raise your hand on up. We've got some of those in the back, and we'll be able to pass those around to you. So just raise your hand on up, and they'll be coming around to you. If you don't own a Bible, if you don't actually have a Bible of your very own, I would invite you to take that one with you. Uh, that is our gift to you, so you can take that and read it. Uh, faith comes by the word, and so we want you to, to participate in that. Uh, today was a, or this week was an interesting week. Uh, we actually had a, a snow day on Tuesday. How many of you guys got a snow day on Tuesday? All right. the rest of you had to like go to work, Right? Right? Uh for, for some of you snow days means uh I get off school or I get to actually have an extra day to spend inside or by myself. Uh but for some of you a snow day means three hours in traffic. How many of you did that? All right, many, many more of you. Uh, and so I know that this week was a snow day for me and my family. Uh, when snow day comes, uh, my kids are homeschooled, but when, when the snow day comes for the neighborhood, that means my kids get a snow day, and they're really excited about that. Uh, and so uh, we were kind of there on Tuesday, and it, we woke up, and the snow was coming down. It was really cool. And uh, what I did is I actually just kept my kind of pajamas on, uh, and I did all my work at the house. And I had the thick socks. How many of you guys got thick socks? You know, you got your thin socks and you got your thick socks. I wore my thick socks uh, because my feet get really cold. The, that's part of the the down the downside of being so lanky. <laughs> your feet get cold, so I had my long socks. And uh, what I did is I I, uh, I made a fire in the fireplace. I love fires. You guys like <laughs> fires? I love making fires. Is, is it just a guy thing? But I love like starting fires. I love setting things on fire. I love blowing things up with fire, right? And so once you start that fire, you put some more things on it so the fire gets a little bigger and you're like, what else can we burn? <laughs> and so you're, you're there and uh, I love stoking the fire and the reason I love stoking the fire is because I like to see good flames. I like to get warm by the fire and... Uh, uh, I, just, I just really enjoy it. So whether it's in the fall or in the winter, we're, we're fire people. Um, and it, <laughs> does that sound weird? <laughs> I guess it's just the way I said that, fire people. In, in my backyard, I've got all these big trees, and uh, I rake the leaves into piles, but then I put them in the, uh, we have a, like a fire pit that we built, and so we put the leaves in the fire, and we, we, we burn all the leaves up. And I think that's against the city ordinance, so don't tell anybody we're doing that. <laughs> but we, we, we burn the leaves. And so what I'd do is I would take a scoop of leaves and I'd put it in there and take some more and put it in I mean, there's a lot of leaves. And so I'm just uh, shoving leaves on this fire, right? And, and before long, it's just kind of smoldering. The flame kind of goes away because what I'm doing is I'm, I'm smothering it. Right, you know what I'm talking about. And so what I do is I take my leaf blower and I have a little crack uh, in the edge of the fire pit, and I stick it down in the crack and I turn the leaf blower on, and it blows. And guess what happens? Yeah, it goes right. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm doing the dance, right. And I'm so excited. I'm getting that fire going. And, and so, so you know what we, we all know. Uh, you know what a fire really needs to burn, right? Is it, some 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 air. So whether you're lighting a candle, you want to make sure it's got air, you want to put out a candle, you just smother it, right? Or, or how many of you, you guys maybe know this, uh, on the 4th of July or when you're doing the fireworks, you got the, the, the stick with the, the end is on fire, and, and you're there, and it's, you're trying to touch it, and you're trying to get, you're ready to run, but you go, right? You do that? That's a good trick, right? You just... You blow on it and it gets it hot and then it lights. And so when I'm making my fire, sometimes I light and I'm blowing on it. Here's what I know is without air, the fire, the fire won't burn. It won't burn. And and in John chapter 3, Nicodemus has a conversation with Jesus, and Jesus says in verse 7, He says, He says, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. He's talking about being born again here. And he says the Spirit is like, like the wind. And so without the blowing of the Spirit, without the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing, we can get warm by the fire. We can be in awe of the fire. You can look at the fire. I love watching it, Right? You can look at the fire and say, that is so magnificent how that fire does that. And you could be in awe of the fire and you can, you can see its light and you can feel its warm. But unless the spirit blows on your soul, unless the spirit blows on the embers of God's word in your heart, unless God blows, we, we will not be hot for Jesus We will not have great passion for Jesus. We will not be a light helping other people see Jesus. And so today, I want the word of God to be laid out in such a way that it's it's like the word is kindling for you. And at the end of the service, at the end of the day, you can be left with a pile of sticks. Or the spirit can move. And blow upon that word, and it could ignite into faith and salvation and new life in Christ for you. And and I'll tell you, I've prayed for the latter. I've prayed that as the word is stacked nice, like kindling, that the Spirit would blow, and without that Spirit blowing, basically we just have some sticks. But I pray that today it would be more. And so look at John chapter 3, it's gonna be our text. And I'm going to pray that the word of God will land on your hearts and start a fire today. I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm going to put the the passage up on the board here in John chapter 3. And uh, when it has the yellow words, I want you to read the yellow words with me out loud. Okay, I'll read the whole thing. But when it gets to the yellow words, you're going to read that. Okay, John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. All right. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel at what I said to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? Jesus told Nicodemus, and he tells us today, I want to tell you the truth. That unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so listen, our lives depend on this rebirth. Eternal life depends on us being born again. So, so let me just be honest. We're not dealing with some secondary issue here. We're not dealing with, you know, so many Christians want to argue about, hey, is this a sin? Is this a sin? What about this? What about this? Listen, this is the primary thing as Christians that we need to grab hold of, that you will not see God unless you're born again. It is the most important thing. And so, listen, he says the new birth, it's real. It's supernatural. It's something that happened. The new birth is a primary in life. It is primary to life everlasting. And the reason why I want to focus on this is because there's so many just cultural Christians. You know what I mean by cultural Christians? I talked a little bit about it last week. But there's so many cultural Christians just simply meaning that we kind of grew up in this thing. And, you know, my parents were Christian, and I went to church when I was little, and we did this thing. And so, so we grew up kind of either on the pew or in the pew or serving something, and we just kind of culturally become Christians. It's the same reason why we're Cardinal fans, right? I mean, that's what I said. Hey, we live in Cardinal Nation. Why are you a Cardinal fan? Because I just, I grow up in that. It's what my parents do. It's what my friends do. It's what I do. And so culturally, I find myself to be a Christian. And a lot of people, they go to church and they do religious things and they refer to themselves as religious. Or some of you refer to yourselves as not religious but spiritual. Because that's, that's what you've just been taught today. So your friends are spiritual and your family's not religious but we're spiritual. And so, so you just become culturally spiritualistic. And we're just culturally Christians and so many go to church and they think that they're saved when in reality Jesus says, you must be born again. I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. And it is a primary issue for us. And so last week we began to set the record straight. And because many people will say, I'm born again because I fill fill in the blank, wherever wherever that blank is prayed a prayer, went to church, served in some way. I got wet when I was a baby, whatever, right? I'm, a, you know, I'm saved because of this. But last week, we began to set the record straight, and we started answering the question, okay, how doesn't the new birth happen? That's what we talked about last week, and I'll just kind of fill you in on what we found. So when we looked into the scripture, what we found is that new birth is not something that we make happen, but rather it's something that happens to us. It's something that God Happens that God moves and changes and shapes and makes us born again. So it's not something that we do. And it's not something that we do, but something that is done to us. Because first Peter says that he has caused us to be born again. Which means he caused that. He's the author and the finisher of the faith. He's the he is the spring of life. He is the one that starts that. In Ephesians 2, it says when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, it is God who made us alive. So you didn't do nothing to make yourself alive, right? Lazarus is not in the tomb, right? Figuring out how he's going to get out of this thing. Jesus, God himself, makes us alive. The second thing we said is that new birth doesn't come through religious behavior, or even making some improvement to your sinful nature. I used to be like this, but now I'm not like this anymore. And so because I'm a good boy or I'm, I'm better than I was, somehow God is pleased with me. And religious behavior doesn't work either. I mean, we looked at Nicodemus. Nick was the highest Pharisee. I mean, he was the man when it came to religion. He did it. He did it all. And honestly, honestly as a Pharisee, he probably wanted to please God, don't you think? genuinely wanted to please God. He went to the temple. He prayed a lot. He made sacrifices to God. Why would you make sacrifices to God as a Pharisee? So God would be pleased. That's why we do it. Right? And so you come in, and I want to please God, so I make these sacrifices. And in verse 7, Jesus looks right at Nicodemus, the Pharisee, the religious of the religious, the church-going captain. You must be born again. And so we learned that it's not done through religious behavior. It's not changing some actions. It's something that's done by God to us. And the last thing we saw is that new birth doesn't come through affirming who Jesus is or even affirming his power to save because then we begin to look at, at Nicodemus who came to Jesus. If you look in verse 2, it says this man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus. And so many people would say, I had this coming to Jesus moment. And so he came to Jesus. He affirmed Jesus. He said, Jesus, man, you are a man of God. You're powerful. You're strong. You know what you're doing. And you can't do these things unless God is with you. You must be Mighty. God, and then, and then we saw in, in Mark chapter 1 where even the demons affirm him. You are the son of God. Are you here to destroy us before the time? And they're shuddering. James 2.19. It says even the demons believe and shudder. They're not saved. Right? So they're affirming Jesus. They know Jesus is. They know the power of Jesus. 5,000 people come to Christ. He feeds them with a the lunchable and they're in awe. <laughs> Woo! Did you see that? And so they're affirming his power. They're affirming his miracles. They know something's different about this guy. And what about the triumphal entry? When he's coming in on the donkey, people are laying down their coats and palm branches and shouting, Hosanna! Praise! Hosanna! That's a form of praise. They're, they're praising Jesus. And so we, we learn that, that, that the new birth is not something that we do nor is it something that we can attain through religious behavior, or it's something that we can't do just simply by affirming the power and the miracles and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Because we see him and we say, man, he's, he's strong. New birth is not done through actions or behaviors. It's not done in affirming Jesus, and it's not even affirming the power of Jesus to save. But the new birth comes When we experience that power within ourselves, making us alive again. Have you ever experienced that power? I mean, really. If you're honest with yourself right now, would you say that you've experienced church? You've experienced Jesus doing things here But have you ever experienced that power of Jesus, the power of being born again in your life? That's what it means to be born again. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Nick had lots of religion, but he had no spiritual life. He saw and acknowledged the work of God in Jesus, but he didn't experience the power. In verse 6, Jesus says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And in verse 5 and verse 8, Jesus says, you must be born of the Spirit. So without being reborn, I want to tell you, you won't see the kingdom of God. You may be one that are on the wide road like it says in Matthew 7. Many will come to me on that day. He says, many. Many will come to me on that day and say to me, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, "I, I don't know you. I don't know you. I know that's a terrifying verse, but it's in there. He says, I don't know you. And they'll reply. Listen, how do they reply? They say, but didn't, I, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal in your name? Didn't we, didn't we do those things among the church? Didn't I go on that mission trip? Didn't I serve in the kids? Didn't I do that thing? In John chapter 3, rings in my heart and says you must be born again have you been born again so today it brings us to the pivotal question we answered last week how doesn't it happen and so this week the question that you guys have been wrestling with all week hopefully okay what does happen then like how is someone born again what happens in this new birth well, look in John chapter 3, and a main part of it is going to be in verse, in verse 5. So look in John chapter 3, verse 5. Okay? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's verse 3. And then in verse 5, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what does Jesus mean when he uses these two terms, born of water and born of the Spirit, to see the kingdom of God? Because he says that's that's primary. That's something that you need in order to be born again. So wouldn't you want to know what it means, what Jesus is talking about? And I want to point out the fact that many believe that this is a reference to baptism. Baptism. Many believe that when he's talking about water, it's a reference to baptism. And some believe that through your baptism, you are united to Christ. And the reason I bring this up is because millions and millions of people have been taught and believe that their baptism is what caused them to be born again. But let me just lovingly tell you it's not true. It's not true. I mean, I'm going to be the one to love you enough to say that—that that is not true. Baptism is not what makes you born again. And Jesus is not talking about baptism in this passage. It's not what he's talking about. Because, now hear me, I don't want to hurt your feelings, and I don't want to take away from some experience that you had in your baptism, because, because honestly, I love baptisms. We celebrate baptisms. We, we, oh, and they are powerful, are they Not? I mean, baptisms, they're, they're moving, they're, they're incredible. And by the way, side note, next week we're going to have a baptism here, right? It's going to be phenomenal. And so I am all for baptisms. But so many people have been deceived in believing that baptism is what makes you born again. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what he says. And so hopefully you've been with us long enough to begin to say, okay, Eric, I don't want to just take your word for it. Show me why you think that. All right, so I'm going to show you. All right, so uh, hopefully if you're ever sitting uh, in in a church or you're hearing some message and someone makes a claim like that, you would say, let's look at the Bible. All right, hopefully you're going to the Bible, so let's go to the Bible. How can you say that? The first reason I believe that this is not a reference to baptism because Jesus doesn't tell us, In all the other verses about salvation that you need to be baptized. I mean, wouldn't you think that if it was primary to salvation, wouldn't you think that in all the other verses that he's talking about in salvation, he would include that? But he doesn't. In verse 15, he says, Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. In verse 16, he says, Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. So if baptism were essential, he would have mentioned it along with faith. But the second reason is because if born again through baptism is how it happens, it would actually contradict verse 8 because verse 8 says, the wind blows where it wishes, the Spirit blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And Jesus says, God is free like the wind causing regeneration. God is free like the Spirit blows like the wind causing someone to be born again. It's the Spirit that makes us born again, which means God is not confined to a sacrament of belief, of Baptism. He can't be. He's not confined that way. And thirdly, I would say, if Jesus is referring to baptism, then why would he scold Nicodemus in verse 10 for not knowing? Look, look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. He, Jesus says, are you the teacher of Israel, yet you don't understand these things? Because if baptism, hear me, hear, just, just follow this. If baptism is a symbol of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. At this point in the conversation with good old Saint Nick, hasn't happened. So he wouldn't say to Jesus, I mean, he wouldn't say to Nicodemus, hey, I don't, I don't get it. And, and Jesus looks at him and says, why don't you get it? That would be foolish, so, Jesus says in verse 5, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He must be referring to something that is already taught in the New Testament. Because he tells Nicodemus, Man, I've been telling you this. You must be born again. And so, let's look in Ezekiel 36. That's where we're going to go. Ezekiel 36. Is prophesying that God will do for his people when he brings them back from exile. But this promise is much larger than Israel, because God is making a promise to his people. And I know that in Luke 22, Jesus claims to secure the new covenant by his blood for all who would believe in him. And so people from all nations and all tribes and all tongues and all languages and all people groups will come to Jesus and he'll seal them with his blood, with the new covenant. And so even though this is talking about Israel, it's actually much bigger than that. Look in Ezekiel 36, verse 24. Starting in verse 24. He says... I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Let me ask you a question. Who's the I in that sentence? It's God. God says, I'll do this. I'm going to gather all my people. I'm going to gather from all nations. I'm going to gather these people into myself, and I'm going to bring them into their own land, which is in me. Verse 25, and I, God, will sprinkle clean. I'm going to wash them. I'm going to wash them with water. I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your cleanliness and from all your idols. And I, God, will cleanse you. And I, God, I, God, will give you a new heart. Who gives the new heart? God does. God promises, I'm gonna give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and I will remove with you the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put, what's it say? My spirit within you. That was told in Ezekiel 36, what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 3. He says, I'm going to put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my ways, to cause you to walk in my statutes, to be careful, to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. So watch this. Jesus says in John 3, 5, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Ezekiel 36, 25, it says, I will wash you with water. God washes with water, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And in verse 26, he says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to take out your cold, hard heart, and I'm going to put my spirit within you. I'm about to do that. And when that happens, you're born again. Water and spirit refer to two aspects of things that happen to us when we're born again. And the reason I want to tell you this is because you should be sitting there right now saying, have I experienced this? Do I know this? And so if, if not, maybe the Holy Spirit is pulling on you today to say, hey, I want to make you born again. Or if you have experienced this, and I'm going through these things and you're saying, yes, I have experienced this. Hopefully it will result in, praise God, I've been born again. And so either way, it's going to result in worship. And so here we are. Uh, there's two aspects. One, we must be made clean. That's what he's saying. You must be washed. You must be cleansed. Born by the water. You must be clean. You and I, we need to be made clean. But number two, we need a new heart, and we need a new spirit, because all my sin, and all my ungodly thoughts, and all my ungodly actions, every time I rely on myself rather than God, every time I trust in my ways more than God's way, every time I think I'm smarter than God, every time I try to be self-sufficient rather than God-sufficient, Every time I'm trying to walk in my own ways, every thought, every action, every good I know I ought to do and don't do it, it says is a sin. All my sin leaves me guilty before a holy God. And all of it is unrighteous. And all of it needs to be cleansed. And the Bible says that all have sinned. So every one of us, it says we've sinned. Every one of us have fallen short. Every one of us are guilty before God You and I, we need to be forgiven. We need to be cleansed. We need our sin removed. We need our guilt removed in order to be with God. And we know that the Bible tells us that when we're united with Christ in Romans 6, that our old self was crucified with Christ. In 6.11, it says that we are considered dead uh, to our old self, but alive in Christ. That Colossians 3 says, I've died in Christ. Ephesians 4 says, I've put off the old self. So hear me, through the cross of Jesus Christ, the penalty that stood against you before a holy God was paid for on the cross. Every sin. Paid for. We're washed, cleansed, and forgiven, paid in full. You and I, we need to be washed. We need to be forgiven. We need to be cleansed. And that's what Jesus is referring to the water. All my guilt must be washed away. I need to be clean to be before God. It's like Jeremiah 33. He puts it like this. He says, "I, God, will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin. All of their guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin, and I will forgive all the rebellion against me through the cross of Jesus Christ and through the cross alone." Only through the blood of Jesus can our sin be paid for and can be washed clean. Can our guilt be removed, our shame be removed. So you and I, we must be washed. It means that we must be forgiven. It means that atonement must happen in order to make us clean. But forgiveness and cleansing is not enough. It's not enough. We need to be made new. We need to be transformed. We, we need new life. We need a new way of seeing. I need, I need a new way of valuing. I, I, need, I need a new heart. I need a new heart. Do you remember the old tabernacle system? When you would sin, and then you'd come to the priest, and the priest would say, okay, bring me a lamb, bring me a goat, bring me a bull, bring me a dove, bring me something, because I'm going to bloodlet that thing, we're going to pour it over the altar, we're going to burn it, and we're going to make atonement for your sin. We're going to do that. And so uh, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so we shed blood, and we forgive sin. Hebrews says that Christ died once and for all time for the forgiveness of all sin. And so Christ is the lamb. For our sacrifice, that makes us clean. But why did the old system not work? Because we need a new heart. We need a new life. And so God, God doesn't underdeliver when he says, not only will I forgive you, not only will I make you clean, not only will I wipe away your guilt and your shame, but I'm going to fulfill all that you need to be born again. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to give you a new heart. That's why Ezekiel says I will give you a new heart. And I will give you a new spirit. And I will put it within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my ways. Walk in my statues. And I will be your God. And you will be my people. Because I'm going to do this. I'm not just going to wash you. I'm not just going to cleanse you. I'm going to give you a new life born again. The heart of stone means our dead heart was unfeeling and is unmoved by spiritual realities. Do you remember that time? Remember that time when you're really unmoved by the name of Jesus? That you're really indifferent to spiritual things? It says the heart of stone is like that. Because, listen, a heart, before it's born again, it can feel. It has real emotions. It feels real pain, real sorrow. You can feel. You can be passionate about things before you're born again. You can desire a lot of things before you have a new heart. But your heart is hard towards spiritual truth. But your heart is stony. Stony. When you're presented with the beauty of Christ. Your heart is is cold when we talk about the glory of God and the radiance of God. And the path of holiness. Which is what needs to change. To be born again. It's what needs to change if we're going to see the kingdom of God. So when we're reborn. Hear me. Not only does your sin and your guilt be washed away through the cross of Christ, but God also takes out the heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh, which means your heart, because of the spirit, putting his spirit in you, God putting the spirit in you, it means that your heart becomes soft and it's living and it's responsive and it's feeling. And instead of being like stone, it's like, it's like a sponge that receives Grace and receives Christ and receives forgiveness and receives a love for God that wasn't there before. When we're born again, our stone-cold boredom to Jesus Christ is pushed out and life remains. Life comes. It's responsive. It's feeling. It's, it's not indifferent to Christ. It's now alive in Christ and it's replaced with a heart that feels and responds and is overwhelmed by the glory of Jesus. That's what happens when you're born again. A genuine passion for Jesus Christ. He says, he says, a new spirit, I'll put it within you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. When you're truly born again, God puts a living, new life heart in you and you begin to treasure Christ with a unique passion that is different than the world. When you're truly born again, the Holy Spirit begins to shape your heart. It's like a like a soft lump of clay. Has ever played with clay? Play-doh, maybe. Y- you know, you know, you take the, the yellow and the green or whatever, and you, you know, mash them together, and before long, it's just a different color, it's it's a different heart, it's a different piece. And so when the Holy Spirit gives you a new heart, the Holy Spirit He He presses in your soul like soft clay and he begins to shape your thoughts to his thoughts and begins to shape your ways to his ways and he begins to shape your your passions you see become what he's passionate about and so when you're truly born again it's not your life over here and and god over here it's I no longer live for myself. I've died in myself, and, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me, and now I'm in him, and he's in me. And there's a new life and a new way of thinking and a new heart and a new passion and a new love, a new love for God, a new love for his church, a new love for people, a new love for his mission. And all I want to do is see God and glorify God in my heart and my mind begin to transform into his image, as it says in Ephesians 4. That's what happens When you're born again, the Holy Spirit unites us to Christ in faith. In Christ, we're forgiven and we're clean of our sins. And God replaces our hard, stony heart with a new, soft, responsive heart toward the glory of God. And when we behold the glory of God, we're transformed. We're changed. We're made new. Since the way that you experience all of this new birth, the way that we experience this is through faith in Jesus Christ. I don't want to end this time without asking you to respond. So I'm inviting you now in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Spirit to receive Jesus as sin-forgiving Savior. Savior but also receive the new heart in which the Spirit brings alive in you. Receive the new you, which we are being transformed into one image of glory to the next. Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. Faith in Jesus is how this whole thing works. The Holy Spirit leads you into the life that Jesus says, I am the life. And when we're united to him, he says, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. John six sixty three. it says, the spirit who gives life, the flesh is no help at all, and so we need the spirit to give us life. John 3, 5 says, unless you're born of the spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so I'm inviting you now to ask God for a new heart. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit is already softening and already working and already tugging and already pushing himself into you, making you new. And I'm going to invite you to come today and put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus for the new life. Maybe you've come in here today and you you know some things about Jesus. Maybe you've walked in here this morning, and you know church, or you know religion, or or, or you know the right things to say and what not to say. And maybe you genuinely have a desire to please God. Maybe that's you. But if you are honest with yourself right now, You've been trying with all your effort and all your strength to somehow ignite a heart of stone. You're trying through some sort of behavior, some sort of verbal affirmation, to light a rock on fire. And no matter how hard you try, you can't light a rock on fire. You need to be born again. You need a new heart. And I want to invite you today to ask God, give me a new heart. Give me a new life. I need to be born again. I need to be washed and forgiven. But I need to be made new by the Spirit. And so as the band comes, I'm going to ask you just right where you are to take a moment with God. God. just right where you sit. Maybe close your eyes. Maybe maybe try to put yourself where you, you don't have distractions. You can just simply focus on the Lord right now. And I'm, I'm going to ask you, have you experienced the power of God in your life that washes you and gives you a new heart. If no, and He's and He's grabbing you today, may you feel it and know it. And respond to it. If yes, if you have experienced that, then may you feel it and know it and respond to it. Jesus, in your name, we are saved. your name we're saying. Holy Spirit, I ask God that you would give us new hearts today for those who are sitting here that would recognize that they do have a hard stone heart toward you, and I pray that that we would hear your voice calling us to come awake out of darkness into light out of death into life, out of sorrow into joy, out of guilt and shame into forgiveness and grace. God, I want to respond to you. Speak now. Speak now, Lord. the book of Romans chapter 8 it says that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we truly are children of God the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that we are born again maybe that new birth starts right here for you, right now, today. Cry out to God. Give Him your life. Give Him your heart. Let Him be your treasure and your all in all. The work's been done. Let us receive it. Jesus, my prayer is that we just need you. Show yourself. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. LifePoint Church exists to engage, encourage, and equip through the gospel for the glory of God. Therefore, it is our prayer that the Word of God would be an encouragement to your heart and lead you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. If you would like to support the ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at thelifepointconnection.com give. May God bless and may your life point to Christ everywhere in every way.